Hey, this is Robin from the Ocean, and you're listening to the Procast. Welcome back to yet another uh, episode of the broadcast and it's also the second episode this week. There's so much going on the, in the prog world, so many uh, important new albums coming out and today uh, is the release day of the new uh, long-awaited album from The Ocean Collective and uh, it's actually the second part of their, where do I have the album name? The long album name here. Uh, Phanerozoic uh, concept, Phanerozoic 2, Mesozoic and Cenozoic. And uh, with me for this episode, um, calling from his uh, well-deserved holidays is um, founding member Robin. Uh, and I'm super excited to have him uh, here on the show. Hi Robin, how are you doing? I'm I'm fine. I was actually last night. I was at uh, at a big show, at the first big big show uh, after lockdown here in Munich, and it was Ginger and um, Ghost Iris from Denmark and Arius. So um, it was actually the f uh, all in all the fourth show I think I saw after lockdown, um, but it was the first from from a big international band. The, the other shows were smaller shows from from local bands um so yeah it, it's great to see live music coming back um slowly but surely at least here in germany um was that at limited capacity out of curiosity yes of course um so the you you um you played the backstage uh venue in yep. in munich uh probably uh, a lot of times so times, yeah. so the um the, the the shows from the from the small local bands were actually in the Werk in the biggest venue which usually has a capacity of 1200 around mm -hmm. uh, uh, and and now with uh, with this um like um seated uh limited capacity it's 200 um, but they have a new outdoor area with a kind of uh, tent ceiling, uh, uh -huh. which holds uh, seated uh, capacity of 400. And that's where uh, Ginger were playing. And on Saturday, um, I'm going to go there again and I'm going to see Long Distance Calling. So. Seated capacity of 400 in the big room, right? In 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 the in the new outdoor arena, which is uh, oh, right. located right. behind the the backstage area, the the, uh -huh. the backstage venue area. It's, <laughs> it's always so right. confusing talking about the backstage venue because I'm not actually talking about the the backstage rooms, you know, the green rooms and stuff, but about the venue. Um, venue called backstage, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyway, let's talk about The Ocean. Uh, you guys have an, a new album out now. And as I said, it has another long and complicated name, Phanerozoic 2, Mesozoic, Cenozoic. And it is, of course, the second part of the Phanerozoic um, concept. And the first part is, was released in 2018. 
and <laughs> it is actually that those two parts they kind of um they 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 are picking off where you left uh off um more or less after the 2007 album Precambrian then you had the two heliocentric and anthropocentric uh, albums which uh, dealt with uh, another um, subject and of course the Pelagial album in 2013 but now you came back to your paleontologic roots so to speak with the new album with the two Phanerozoic albums um, that kind of, yeah. Would you say that they, they are kind of successors to Precambrian? Well, yes. As, as you already uh, said, they kind of continue where Precambrian left off, um, both conceptually and somehow musically as well. Um, a lot of the songs I was writing for the first part of Phenerozoic, um, when I wrote them, I realized they have a bit of a Precambrian vibe. Um, the same type of orchestral tracks, um, as on the Proterozoic half, the, the longer half of Precambrian. And so uh, that was what initially, uh, you know, even put it back in my mind that there is still um, <laughs> a void to fill between uh, Precambrian and heliocentric, both musically and, and conceptually. Uh, musically, heliocentric was a, uh, was a new beginning for us somehow as a band. There was the first record with Luig on vocals. Yes. Um, it was the first record with predominantly clean vocals in general, which a lot of people had a problem with back then. <laughs> um, so it was really like a like a new start of the band. Um, and also, uh, you know, a lot of older members quit at that time, and we had this this with people coming into the band. So it was it was a. It was quite a quite a ways from where we left off with Precambrian uh, musically, and so musically we wanted to make a record that bridges kind of like these this gap between Precambrian and heliocentric, and conceptually also conceptually the missing gap or or that void was the Phanerozoic Eon, which is um, a time period that started 541 million years ago and still carries on until the present tense. Uh, heliocentric kind of started where humanity came in, you know, so uh, at the very end of the of the Phanerozoic, basically. So there was also this this conceptual um, gap between um, those records. And that's why we decided some uh, 12 years after the release of Precambrian to go back and make another record that kind of continues where, where we um, where we let it rest back then. Yeah. And that's what these two albums are. And um yeah, well, musically, uh, Fenrosoic 1, uh, like I said, has a bit of that Precambrian vibe. Um, but throughout the course of the record, and then especially with Fenrosoic 2, it, develop, it develops into a very different direction. And it doesn't really conclude with uh, where Heliocentric starts, but actually maybe it does. We haven't really tried it yet. Uh, it would be interesting to really put all these records in a succession now and see how it feels to play Firmament, the first track of Heliocentric, after Holocene, the last track of Fenerozoic 2. That, uh, that's how it was meant to be. Um, and maybe one day we will play a long six-hour show where we play all these records in one go. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> that, that, that sounds uh, like something uh, curated, uh, especially for a Roadburn Festival or something like that. Uh, <laughs> that that could work within such a context, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually discovered uh, the ocean with Heliocentric, and it was fortunate for me because I was back then I was uh, still not that into the more extreme side of metal in general. Um, 
So I, I actually did see you guys playing at the backstage venue with uh, all the way, all the years, uh, all those years ago with Opeth. Oh wow! You know, uh, so that that uh, that was still with the two two old singers, so to speak. Yeah. And um, that was in 2008, actually, if I'm not mistaken, 2008 or 2009. That could be. That was like where I was uh, fresh in Munich. I just moved to Munich and. Um, Yeah, it was at that time. Opeth was kind of the 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 only band with growls I would really dig, and um, actually in 2016 was kind of the turning point for me personally. Uh, so I, I it, actually with with a band that's more or less connected with the ocean because you you guys are gonna tour together. Hypnos was my gateway drug to more extreme. Uh, stuff and um great band yeah <laughs> absolutely so um yeah the second time i saw you guys live was with pelagial actually at the proc power festival where you played the, the um an instrumental show and uh -huh. the very first time i got to see you guys with loic then was actually with lepris last year only so it's it's uh yeah been almost uh Uh, ten years after Heliocentric uh, was and, and Anthropocentric were released, that I finally got to see you guys with Loic, um, right? And hopefully, of course, uh, next year again, you guys have a massive tour booked and announced. So um, fingers crossed that that will go forward as well. Um, how are yep. you feeling about this uh, in these uncertain times? Well, obviously, uh, everything is very much in the limbo right now. Uh, but we kind of knew that when we announced the tour. The, the tour has been booked for a long time. And we decided to, to put tickets on sale and announce it, knowing that uh, we have to assess the situation as it develops over the course of the coming weeks and months. And at this stage, I have to say it's quite likely that the tour will have to be postponed. Um, the, the problem is just that although there is these limited capacity shows you know, starting to happen, as you mentioned earlier, in Germany and in some other European countries as well. Uh, for a lot of venues that don't have government funding, it's just not financially feasible to only be allowed to sell half of the tickets. And, uh, you know, still we still have the same costs with our bus and everything, so we can't, we can't accept lower fees either. So um, it's, it's questionable. And if only it's a tour of 30 dates, if like five or 10 shows cannot happen or can only happen at limited capacity and thus won't be financially viable anymore, then that will affect the whole tour. So there's a big risk of it being postponed. But for the moment, we're still confident. We're still crossing our fingers that um, most venues on the tour will find a solution. And in, at least in Germany, it looks promising. I spoke to our German agent today, and I know that Leipzig wants to do the show. I know that Hamburg wants to do the show. And uh, Festsaal in Berlin also has a limited capacity setup. So um, I, I, I can't really say right now. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. It will work out. If not, then we have a backup routing in place already for June. Um, right. Pretty much the exact same cities. Um, in the same order. I really don't know how our agent managed to pull that off <laughs> because crazy. everything is getting postponed now and next year is going to be an absolute clusterfuck of hundreds of bands wanting to, to release albums and tour all at the same time. But uh, yep, he made it work. So we have this backup routing in place. So in case January doesn't happen, then the, the same tour with the same bands in the same cities 
will happen in June and tickets will remain valid until then. So uh, sooner or later, we will be able to tour with the record. That's 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 awesome. That sounds sounds promising. It's always good to have a, a backup plan in your pocket, right? <laughs> yes, that's absolutely necessary in these days and yeah. age. <laughs> um, actually, um, talking once more about uh, Ginger and their car, their tour, their s small tour they did. They, the, the, it was the, the last gig last night here in Munich. Um, they also played two shows in Switzerland, and apparently there they didn't have any distancing me measures in place or something so it was uh -huh. very very interesting but um yeah as you said it's uh, not, not nothing is for certain in these times and we just have to wait and see and keep our fingers crossed um exactly that's um, all we can do anyways <laughs> i'm definitely looking forward to the, to that tour as i mentioned earlier i'm a huge fan of hypnose as well and uh it's um yeah it's it's gonna be the first um the ocean headlining show for me since a long time since since the pelagial show at uh prog power which was also quite special as it was the the instrumental gig with 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 pelagial oh yeah i remember that very Too, very yep. epic <laughs> um but let's let's go back to the to the new album and dig a little bit into that um i think i read that you you guys actually already recorded the drums for phanerozoic 2 with uh at the same time as you were recording them for phanerozoic 1 is that correct that's right we recorded uh, drums for both records in iceland in early 2018 And by that time, um, all the material for both records was already written. And um, yeah, like not, not entirely finalized, but I'd say about 90% written. So we tracked drums for both records together. Then um, we focused on finishing the first part first, which um, took us uh, a couple of months. And then we, the album was released, the first album in late 2018. And then all of 2019, we've been on tour with a pretty... A pretty intense year there, starting off in India, Australia, wow. New Zealand. Then we did a European tour, um, then European summer festivals. Then we did a tour of Russia, uh, went to places like Kazakhstan, Armenia, and Georgia for the first time, and then Japan. And then we did this tour with Leprous that we already spoke about. Yes. And so we barely had time to finish the second part. Um, drums were already tracked, but we still had to record guitars, vocals, and a lot of other extra instruments. And we kind of uh, made that work in between these tours, but it was a bit of a patchwork because there was just not much time last year. So, yeah, somehow um, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not complaining about being home this year, to be honest, for a while. You know, it feels good to have a break because last year was really intense and um, it gave us some time to focus on some other projects that we just never had the time to do really. And so it, we're, we're taking a lot of positive things out of all the bullshit that's been happening this year, actually. That's great. Yeah, now, now that you mentioned it, actually, I remember that I saw you guys last year at Summer Breeze Festival, but, you know, such a huge fest festival, there's so many bands uh, that you see. Nice. So so I it, it kind of slipped my mind, but that was that was a quite quite hectic day for me, running around, getting interviews with uh, UL from so on, and then running over from your show to see i think i think leprous was playing playing uh, they were also playing they were lost yeah. on the main stage yep. yeah exactly 
Uh, right. Um, you you just mentioned the the recording process that was a little bit uh, scattered uh, between all those tours. Um, what about the lineup for Phanerozoic 2? Were there any changes or the main is the main band uh, the, still the same from Phanerozoic 2? I mean, you guys are known, also known as the Ocean Collective. So is it, how's the lineup looking? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's still the same. Yes, it has been the same for uh, the past five years, more or less. Um, and it's, it's completely stable. Now the core of the band is fixed. There is no more, no more collective in the core members that are on stage. Um, but we still have a lot of people around the band that are very important for what we do that you won't always necessarily see on stage. Like for example, of course our crew or lighting guy, Sean Willikins, who really knows the songs in and out and plays a keyboard on the lighting desk. So he's kind of like an offstage band member um, or sound guy as well. Craig Murray, who does all our videos. Um, also the two Fenrozoic video clips um, that we've already released. And um, and uh, Martin Kwammer, who did the artwork ever since Precambrian for us, and all these people, they are part of this larger pool of of, uh, of artists and contributors that we refer to as the collective. But it doesn't really uh, mean that within the band we have rotating members. We also have a lot of extra musicians that we continue to work with. Uh, Thomas Lilgedal, for example, is the fourth time that he appears on on one of our records. Um, our cello player Dalai that we've been doing a lot of tours with, but she's not a, a fixed band member. So there's all these people that are associated with the band and uh, quite important for what we do artistically. And that is what the collective term refers to mostly. Uh, the core band lineup is, is fixed and has been for a while. Um, and that's very good because, uh, yeah, we're just all really good, good friends and have a lot of respect for each other and, and what we do as, as musicians and as people. And that's really important. And I think um, there were definitely some, there was definitely some, uh, some difficult times uh, between us in the past, especially between Luik and me. But we've all overcome that. And um, right now we just really appreciate being in this band and everything that it uh, that it does for us and that it allows us to travel to amazing places and and get paid for, for playing shows, which is the greatest thing in the world. And I think it's also a matter of growing up and realizing that um, it's sometimes important to take a step back rather than to always fight your interest through. And I think we have all learned that. And that's why... The, the spirit in the band is now better than ever. It's it's a really strong uh, lineup, and a, and we're all all really good friends, and that is the most important thing after all. That sounds sounds great. That sounds like I I, I want to be in this band with you. <laughs> <laughs> But um, uh, yeah, you mentioned a lot of I guess musicians or contributing musicians. Um, what kind of instruments uh, did you? add to the normal uh, rock lineup, so to speak? Um, for Fenrozoic 2, um, well, right in the opening track, Triassic, there are some very weird instruments that we recorded in Armenia last year on tour um, with a traditional flutes and woodwinds player um, that we met in Yerevan where we spent a week. And that was a really cool experience. The, the song has a bit of an oriental vibe anyway, so we've been wanting to record like a weird instrument over it. And uh, we tried with a saf player, which is like a Turkish type of sitar in Berlin. But it wasn't really it wasn't really working out. It didn't really fit so well. And in the end, we decided to discard it. And then 
when we got to Armenia, I was talking to our promoter over there, um, you know, about traditional Armenian music. And he happened to know this guy. And he came to our gig in Yerevan just an hour before Doris, between Soundcheck and Doris. And we initially just wanted to test the waters and have him improvise over this part a little bit. But it turned out to be so awesome. And he really knew exactly what we were looking for that we ended up recording the final takes for that song there in Yerevan between uh, yeah between Soundcheck and Doors. That's what ended up on the records. Actually, a couple of different takes. There's different takes that you hear on the instrumental version as on the vocal version um, because uh, some, some of these parts were colliding with the vocals that we had over the parts, so we could bring more of those in on the instrumental version. But on the vocal version, you also hear those flutes all, all across the song. That, that so that was one thing. That sounds very that intriguing. So I'm definitely going to check out the the instrumental version once it's out as as I just have the 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 version with vocals as a a promo um pre-listening here. Sorry for yeah. interrupting. I just wanted to to say I, I think it's definitely worth to check out um the instrumental versions as they're always super interesting and and the cool thing is that you always get them from the ocean like um as a standard <laughs> Right. We, we decided to release our records uh, as parallel instrumental versions a couple of years ago already. I, I think it's always just an interesting, different perspective on the music, because as soon as you take the vocals away, you will realize a lot of things that you otherwise just wouldn't pay attention to. That's just because our uh, listening conditions are so so much programmed on paying attention to the lead vocals that, yeah, as soon as you take them away, you will realize a whole bunch of other things that are there in the music, but you just wouldn't notice. And that's why we've always been doing that. And um, our instrumental versions are not just mixes with muted vocals. They are actually different mixes. So you will hear um, different synths, different instruments in certain parts, and uh, we will bring up uh, certain instruments that uh, we can't really raise in the vocal versions because they would be conflicting with the vocals or taking too much attention from them. But then in the instrumentals, we bring them up. So you actually get different mixes, not just uh, you know the same mix with muted vocals. So it's it's worthy and interesting checking out and and paying attention to that a little bit. If I'm you're into that, gonna, gonna do that. But we were we were talking about uh, I, I interrupted you there. We were talking about the the added instruments uh, that that are uh, on Panerozoic Two, and you started out with the armenian guy playing these woodwinds uh what what else right. can we hear <laughs> um let me think there's lots of brass on jurassic cretaceous um that we already recorded in the same session as the brass for phanerozoic one um there um i think on silurian it's uh, there's some brass parts so we recorded all that together in berlin uh with a horns and trumpet player and um and a, a trombone player. Um, and yeah, I think that's the only track on, on the second part of the record where you hear that Jurassic Cretaceous, the first half of Jurassic. Um, other, other than that, um, lots of analog synths. Uh, it's our guy, Peter, who's been a band member since Fenerozoic One. He used to be our lighting guy before that for four years. And then uh, we kind of decided that we need him in the band <laughs> more <laughs> nice. than more than on the lighting desk. And uh, I think his synths really bring a new depth and new level to the sound of the band. And um, on this, particularly on this record, you, you really hear that um, it's not just extras added in the background. It's actually things that that are there all the time and they like his moogs color the, the the tone of our guitars you know you, you only mu realize that when you 
take them away. But there's something playing all the time, sometimes very subtle, sometimes really in the front. And um, that has become a quite important element of our sound with these two records, I think. Yeah, I can absolutely I, I can absolutely hear that uh, the importance uh, the the growing importance of the of those synths in the sound in the sound of the ocean. Um, yeah, you you mentioned uh, your uh, artwork guy already, and you've been working with him for a long time. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about the. Um, yeah, the, the creation of the artwork for Phanerozoic 2. Um, well, it's been quite a journey, to, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but that's always like that with, with Martin. Um, we have a really cool creative relationship where it's usually like it usually works that I first tell him about my initial idea and the concept as a whole. And then he comes back to me with suggestions and ideas and, and first drafts. And then we just bounce ideas off each other and and uh, eventually develop the whole thing. And that's what we've been doing here as well. We wanted to continue to work with this with these die cuts that we already had on Precambrian. Um, back then, we had these kind of like um, lava bubble-shaped cutouts um, through which you could see an underlying layer of cardboard, which had these images of, of lava printed on it. And then with Phanerozoic 1, we also used die cuts, but this time you would see images of lush green vegetation, uh, you know, coming through these these die cuts. And in the case of Phanerozoic 2, we also used die cuts again. And this time the theme is um, these two celestial bodies on course for of collision, uh, referencing that, that uh, Jurassic Cretaceous extinction event, um, which is kind of like the central theme of not only the Mesozoic half, but like the record as a whole. So um, that was the starting point. We wanted to work with those die cuts again. And here, yeah, we've, we've kind of approached it in a, in a very basic way. We, we wanted to, uh, to have like a really iconic type of logo this time, something that you can reduce to just one color and print and get tattooed and have, uh, you know, just like a really recognizable element. And that is uh, the result of that is the most simple thing it's basically just like two circles like a large and a small one um you know that are representing these two celestial bodies the asteroid and earth if you want so or whatever set on course for collision um and those are seen through a larger circle so all these circular shapes are something that um became a central theme of the artwork and um, that also refers to the idea of eternal recurrence, which is kind of the, the central topic of both Phanerozoic records. It's the idea that uh, things happen over and over again in infinite time in history. So kind of a cyclical concept of time as opposed to a linear concept of time. Um, and that is something that we already uh, discussed with the, the opening track of Phanerozoic 1, Cambrian, his, his original text of Nietzsche, uh, where he talks about the idea of eternal recurrence. So it's something that has been there from the beginning of Phanerozoic 1 and that we continue to develop um, embedded and woven into the fabric of this this uh, geological time uh, concept on the second part of the record. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, two, two circles are what kind of makes up the whole artwork. And uh, a lot of times when you try to find something really simple and iconic, that is the most difficult thing. And it was the same here. Like we've been, uh, <laughs> we've been, yeah, just 
bouncing ideas of each other for a long time and a lot of things got discarded but uh eventually we came up with what became this uh this artwork now and i'm really happy with it oh and on the inside um of course should also mention that um so when you look at the front cover or the outside um you see these these you see these two colliding circles uh in, in shades of like brown and, and and rocky colors and then you open the gatefold of the vinyl version or the cd version and then on the inside it's all ice and you also have these circular cutouts but this time you see ice through which is referring to the the pleistocene and holocene ice ages so that's also cool because it comes as a surprise when you open the record then all of a sudden you have a totally different color scheme on the inside and uh, very different images that was also an idea we we wanted to try out here and it came out really well yeah uh, that sounds very very intriguing and uh, i love how 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 you guys always um yeah extend the concept to the artwork and and the whole package and the ocean is also known for for expanding their concepts to the artwork and always uh, you guys always have these super awesome uh vinyl editions um so that's that's a real really cool um yeah ex, ex really cool expanding the the um the not stopping with thinking things through with the concept uh when it comes to the artwork but it's like yeah, a whole a whole package um and um that's where the fun begins yeah we've <laughs> always put a lot of attention to that and i don't know i've always uh seen that as a great challenge and I'm equally interested in visual art as I am in music so it would make sense to stop there or leave things up to chance and um, yeah with Martin Kwame I've, I've really found a soulmate there as well because he's really he's really ex willing to experiment and try things and work with different printing techniques or materials and you know like this time we we use the paper with an embossed structure that is kind of has like a stone structure so the paper looks like stone and And it was wow. incredibly difficult. We had to make tests with it because it's very thick material. So they had to test if they can fold it uh, to, to become gatefolds without it cracking on the on the you know the, the crease folds and all that. And we had to make lots of tests, and it was really expensive. And in the end, it's extremely nerdy business, but it's the outcome is just phenomenal. It's something that you can't just like see. You you can touch it and, and feel it, and it's it's just a really nice and special product. And um, Martin is is uh, like me there. He's totally obsessed with different materials and, and trying out things and trying to push boundaries with physical music packaging, which I think is very important if you still want to sell records as a physical thing, then you got to give people a good reason to buy it, you know, not to stream it or to download it, which of course is also fine. But uh, with Pelagic, we're mostly selling vinyl and that's why we're trying to really make them stand out. Um, yeah, you you just uh, mentioned very nerdy business. Speaking of nerdy business, actually a couple of days ago there was uh, an, a very different news um, item releasing through your uh, channels and that was uh, the news that uh, New Fossil was named after the band The Ocean. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell yeah. us quickly wh wh how this happened? <laughs> Um, it happened because two um, two scientists from Luxembourg um, that are huge fans of the band have uh, decided to give us that honor and to name a newly uh, discovered fossil species after us, after the band. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a brittle star, 
from the Pliocene era, so from the uh, Cenozoic, basically, second part of the record. And they found it uh, in deep sea sediments and realized that it was a new species unknown to science. And because they love the band and because we always have these paleontological uh, album concepts and themes, they decided to name the species or this new fossil species after us. And uh, that's, of course, really cool. And uh, we made a little video about it and posted it yesterday. And um, I'm, I'm very happy uh, about this extremely nerdy business, as you call it. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would say um, with, with a history like yours with those records, it was only a matter of time that somebody would name uh, something after you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, you actually, uh, when I look at the band history, is is it true that you founded the band in two thousand? So it would be the twentieth anniversary of the band, right? I'm afraid that's no. right. Yes, oh. we are we are dinosaurs of the German metal scene. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, what we are doing with the podcast is that we always uh, compile um, an accompanying playlist. And of course, I will put the singles from the new album in there. But we also always uh, put kind of like a best of um, on top of it, so that uh, people who are new to the band can kind of discover um, the band in reverse chronological order. Um, so maybe you would like to give us your favorite songs from the previous records. Oof, like all, like any record, any ocean record, or what's the yeah. what's the deal? Yes. Oof, okay. Um, <laughs> well, let's see. Okay, there should probably be uh, a track of heliocentric in it. Let it be firmament then. Um, there should be a track of anthropocentric in it. Let it be something completely different. Will it zum Untergang? Um, there should be a Precambrian track in it. Let's make that uh, Orosirian for the Great Blue Cold Now Rains. There should be an Aeolian track in it. Um, Killing the Flies. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, of course, a Pelagial track. Um, let's do Let Them Believe. And maybe another one. Maybe... Um, the second track, the real opening track, Mesopelagic, Into the Uncanny. And then of Phenerozoic 1, let's do Cambrian and Permian the Great Dying. That's probably way more than you need anyways, right? No, that's that's fine. I mean, it's, uh, it's a prog okay. playlist. It can um, be a little um, longer. And on top of that, to, to finish off our nice conversation here, I always love to ask uh, my interview guests about uh, their listening, uh, what they are listening to right now, and we call this section "What's in Your Walkman." So, do you have any recommendations that uh, any songs that you've been listening to a lot in the last days or weeks? Oof, uh, a lot, but I have to look into my Spotify uh, playlist. <laughs> you still there? Yes. Okay. Um... So I've been listening to a lot of surf lately, actually. Um, Bumby Molesters, Joanne Eddy, Martin Denny, uh, The Meteors, things like that. <laughs> Satan's Pilgrims, Dick Dale. Um, that's in my immediate 
last playlist. Um, I've also been discovering a bunch of cool new bands that I have um, put in my own playlist. Let me double check. What's last here? Well, there was the new Mastodon track. I've been listening to the last Cloud Kicker record, which is really, really good. Um, I've been listening to uh, the last Lingua Ignota record, the new, the, the new Old Man Gloom record that came out this year. Um, Scorpions. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that, that uh, um, playlist. Cluster. Is Playlist is quick, yeah, quickly quickly um, <laughs> becoming very very eclectic. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> I've also been listening to lots of crowd uh, the last couple of weeks. So cluster Faust. Um, okay. Uh, Tangerine Dream. Nice. You know, I've been digging a bit into this, uh, in, in, like this band Nectar, into this old mm -hmm. uh, '60s German crowd scene. There's lots of interesting things. Oh, and the new Motorcycle record, which is absolutely spectacular. I think. Really, yeah, really right. I, 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 I totally forgot that they they have a new record out. I, I will check that out and. Just uh, and late in the late in the evening, lots of lust mod. <laughs> okay, just just uh, when uh, when we're finished here, just write me a little list, and and I will add them to the playlist. Um, I also have a few recommendations uh, for uh, this "What's in Your Walkman" section, and I kind of try to match the the ocean spirit or the ocean sound. Um, so that would be the new release or the new re-release of the debut album from A Swarm of the Sun called Zenith. And uh, yes. that is spectacular um, post-metal there. I really love the band. I fell in love I with... I can tell with... you that we just uh, made an agreement with them. We are going to re-release -re uh, The Rifts and The Woods on vinyl um, in January. Oh Ooh, my God. that's great news! I yes. I actually have the Rifts uh, white w vinyl, I think. Uh, uh, that that's uh, the record that made me like fall in love with them. Absolutely Incredible amazing, record. amazing yeah. band, and um, kind of in the in a similar vibe. Um, second recommendation from me th this time would be from a Munich band called Pictures from Nadira. They have one album out called Pictures from Nadira, and um, the last track is also a nine-minute track uh, called Nautilus, which is, of course, fitting for the um, the ocean theme here, and also fits uh, musically very, very well. Um, then, actually, today, um, also through Pelagic Records, I think, uh, you co can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a new single uh, from PG Lost called E22. Yes. Uh, which I just uh, checked out before we uh, before we had uh, I jumped into Skype to uh, talk to you. And last but not least, a 20-minute song or 17-minute song, a little bit older, but I just it just came back to my mind that I that I want to listen to this album again uh, today. And it's from a super group of salt called. Well, called Ozi, Office of Strategic Influence. Um, and their debut album was released in 2003. It uh, features Mike Portnoy on drums, Kevin Moore on keyboards, Jim Mathias on 
on the um, guitar and um, yeah, they they have actually on the on the bonus disc they have this uh, thing, the thing that never was a seventeen minute long track with the uh, riffs that didn't make made make the actual album, um, and it's just a, a nice way to round up uh, this playlist. I think it fits very well musically. Um, so yeah, that's uh, I, I'm. It, it's gonna be an epic playlist. Um, that's for sure. <laughs> All right. And good. Um, yeah, Phanerozoic 2 is out now. We all hope to see you guys live again next year, either in January or in June. Fingers crossed for that. All the best with the yep. release of the record. Thank you for taking the time and uh, talking to us here on the Prog cast, uh, Robin. Of course. Thank you for your time. And now, as always, take care of uh, yourselves, take care of your loved ones, and listen to great music. The Progcast is a production of Stuas Media and is presented by The Prog Space. It is produced by Randy M. Salo, Janine Stengel-Lewis, Blake Lewis, Kai Metzner, and Dario Albrecht. Our theme music is by This Is Not An Elephant.